Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 143. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm really excited to introduce a very special guest, Tracy Rudka. Tracy, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Oh, I'm strapped in and ready to roll down that track. All right, here we go. Tracy Rutka's name is synonymous with drag racing and the Mr. Gasket Company that was founded by her father, Tom Rutka, and her uncle, Joe Rutka. She started working in the company in 1982, and after the company was sold in 1997, she moved to Intermec Technologies. Today, she operates the Quarter Mile Foundation, along with Project 1320, Tracy set out to preserve drag racing's history from the views of its pioneers and its legends, and Tracy epitomizes the term, a life in the fast lane. So Tracy, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take some time and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course your passion for automobiles that go really fast? When you said that, you know, I'm the daughter and the niece of the founders of Mr. Gasket, that company goes back, oh, back to 1963. And uh, before that, both of them were avid racers in the gasser class. Wow. Yes, they're avid, avid racers. I mean, everybody saw a Rutka car, whether it was a Willys, an Anglia, a 57 Chevy, which is the mascot of the company, mm-hmm. 57 Chevy. So um, we were all brought up on that and uh, went to many races in the back of a station wagon as babies. And uh, that's where we slept because, you know, you couldn't afford the hotel room. <laughs> but you, you, Yeah, you couldn't afford the hotel room, but you needed a parking lot to work on the car. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was real important. But uh, so to say that I've watched, racing my entire life i can say i can say that probably even in utero i was listening to it <laughs> yeah i think so you know i met along you know in my 51 years along the way everybody in racing in the aftermarket are my extended family yeah i was with gasket before i actually physically and on the paperwork social security started there when I was eight years old, this is really interesting, when I was eight years old, 
I would uh, sit on the bottom of the order picking cart with my grandmother, with my grandma Rutka, <laughs> and she would pick the order. Was we were picking orders, I would pick the, the par- parts that were on the bottom shelves, and she would pick the parts that were on the top shelf. Oh, so, how cool! So I guess I can officially say I say I've been working since I was eight years old. Yeah, I never played like with Barbie dolls, and you know, did that. We we played. Mr. Gasket. <laughs> Believe it or not, we played Mr. Gasket, and whenever us kids would be flying somewhere, we'd have a suitcase with Mr. Gasket stuff in it. And I used to build model cars. Instead of brushing Barbie's hair, I was I was building the uh, GTOs and very the cool Chevys. Yes, I was, I was building that, and and then Dad was showing me how you put the decals on because I'm sure everybody remembers how hard it was. To put those tiny oh, yeah. decals, floating them in the little and, water, and <laughs> oh my God, the tiny decals, you know, and, and, and you used a real tiny pair of um, tweezers. Yep. And by using those tweezers, you were able to manipulate it on there so that it went on, uh, you know, properly. So I spent a lot of time building a lot of cars, some of the bigger cars with some of the Barbie dolls I did get. You know, back then Barbie was kind of rubbery. <laughs> she, she had she was she's not like she is today so in order to get her in the car um you, you, i would just cut her legs off oh my gosh so her story <laughs> cover your ears girls <laughs> cover, that's it that's it so she just her torso would sit in the seat but at least she was in the car yeah you know? oh that's funny that is that's funny. <laughs> oh hilarious so but, you, your life with car i mean you've just had a wonderful life around cars and racing and so forth. But, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about this Quarter Mile Foundation. What is that all about and Project 1320? Well, that started four years ago. After I left Intermec, then um, actually I was pregnant and had my son, I stayed home for six years. So I did take a hiatus and, and stayed home with my son until he was six years old. And then at six years old, I said, okay, I need to go back out there. I miss it. I, I miss my my extended family. I, I need to get out there. It's, it's, it's just what all of us people in this industry feel. You know, we have a disease, we have a disease but we don't want to be cured by it. Of course not. And, and, no, we don't want to be cured. So I started going, you know, back to the races, and I went to Don Garlitz's um, Hall of Fame banquet four years ago, and two of his inductees were deceased. And I just thought that was such a shame that those people weren't there to be able to accept such a prestigious award. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, we talk about the banquet and how much fun it was and how great it is to see everybody. It's like a, a you know reunion is what it turns out to be because you you know you get to see everybody that you haven't seen for a while. Sure. And I was talking with uh, quite a few luminaries of our pioneers, which is you know Harry Hibbler and Carl Olson and Bruce Larson and Linda Vaughn, and, uh, you know, a couple others were sitting there, and I just brought up the subject and said, has any of these big sanctioning bodies, these associations, chronicling the history of our pioneers? You know, mm-hmm. doing these interviews and that, and we're all looking at each other, you know, like a deer in the headlights, you know. We really didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I said, because if not, we need to do this. And, and that was because of the two individuals that were deceased that didn't get to receive their award. Sure. That's what triggered me. That was my light bulb. Nice. So I went, I, I went out and did my research and found out that history was being done, but it wasn't going to be done in the fashion 
that I wanted it done. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, all's clear. So I cashed in everything I owned, you know, my pension, my IRAs, my 401ks, you know, Uncle Sam got his 20%. Thank you. You know, I had to make sure I did that, you know, stay legal. Of course. So to capitalize the, the foundation and get it rolling. So, you know, as of now, I really, I have no retirement, so I think I'll be staying married for a long time. <laughs> yes. But I started the, the Quarter Mile Foundation four years ago, and the mission of that was was to preserve and chronicle the history of the sport of drag racing in the aftermarket from post-World War II until the end of the 80s, told by the pioneers. Wow. And it will, and it will be done as a major television network miniseries. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so this, you know, it's not, it, it, it's not something you'll see in a magazine or, you know, online in a, you know, e-zine or something like that. This, this is going for network television. Very cool. Because I, you know, because of the interviews that we've done, and we have done 233 interviews to date. Oh, you got me beat. You're, you're number 143, so I've got some catching up to do. Yeah, you got to get moving. We yeah. don't we don't mess around here, you know. Oh, Speed geez. costs money. How fast do you want to go? I know. Better put my foot it, to the floor. <laughs> you better get that pedal to the metal. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we have 233 interviews of both the sport and the aftermarket. And when I say how we templated this, we templated it as a Ken Burns-style documentary. Mm-hmm. And most people are familiar with Ken Burns on how he does his documentaries. He's the number one documentarian you know in this world basically and that's how we're formatting our documentary even though it's going to be multiple series his is usually just one you know for you know two three hours on pbs ours is has to be multiple episodes because there's so much information right what is really astounding is when we i sat in on some of the interviews i didn't sit in on all of them because i wanted to be just as surprised when it finally comes out but when I sat in on some of them, like at Joe Mondello's and uh, Iskies and Louis Center's, when they sat there and talked, they all of a sudden looked like they were 19 years old again. <laughs> it, it, it was amazing, you know, and the stories they told, they, it was like it just happened to them yesterday. And what they did just happened, you know, the night before. And it was so hard for me not to laugh or cry or, or or say something because of how passionate they were in their speaking and their personalities came out. You can see their eyes twinkling, yeah. or, you know, or watering up or they were laughing or smirking or, I mean, they really took this very seriously because here was their moment to, you know, sit on that throne yeah. Yeah. And, and, tell, and tell the generations of today how passionately they took this sport. Yeah. It was not a job for them. It, it, it was a passion. It's an fascinating, and it's going to be fantastic. And I love what you're doing as far as preserving history here for everybody to be able to view in the, in the future. But let's talk a little bit about Tracy here. And as we continue on your journey, I always love to start with a success quote. And this is something that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a Great way to get the inspirational tires turning. So, Tracy, take the wheel. As far as inspiration goes and success, what inspires me is the sport and the legends. Because Hmm. I see them at 80 and 90 years old still out there. 
mm-hmm. still at the shows, still going to the track, some of them still racing. That's wow. an inspiration to keep going. That means, you, to me, that's, you never quit. Right. And, and, you know, you can fall down, you can fall over, you can trip, and that, but you can always get back up. Yep. And by listening to the stories of these pioneers where they were in a car, they were on fire, they were, you know, their car melted on top of them, 60% burns, and they got right back in it. There's nothing more that can inspire a person than the tenacious passion that comes with this industry. Would you share with me a story that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about hearing dragsters in the womb, most likely, but is there right. one particular moment you can really remember when you realize, you know what, I'm a car gal? Well, I don't think I had a choice. You know, and it wasn't that I didn't have to make that choice. Just the thrill, the, the oh, and it's so hard to explain, which is why I tell people if you've never been to a drag race, you've got to go because to put it into words, it's a sensory sport. Mm-hmm. And going to these races with my father and my mother and, and just watching the exhilaration, the, the speed, the noise, the smell, the camaraderie, the friendships, the, the, how everybody is embraced as a family, the cool-looking cars, the technology that they made up on themselves. You, you were fascinated. It was, a, it was more a fascination. For me, what inspired me were the people, and it, it wasn't necessarily the cars because the cars came with the people. Right, yeah. I've heard that many times. That's great. Tracy, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and, as you say, crawl under the hood, get our hands a little dirty, just like the racers did, but ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career. But more importantly, share with us how you overcame it and what you learned from that. Well, right now, the documentary that we're doing is a huge challenge because I've never been on this side of the fence. And what I mean by that is, you know, at my time with, with Mr. Gaskin and working there, we were there to, to help the industry, you know, with, with product, with sponsorship, with contingency. Um, we were there to, if somebody couldn't pay their bill, it, you know, we gave them another 30, 60 days. Um, NHRA was having, you know, issues with, with getting more money to these racers so they can afford to come to the races. So we would... We did the Pro Stock Challenge and the Crager Weld Shootout, you know, giving over $100,000 in prizes. So now I'm out there on the other side with our board asking for money. Mm-hmm. That's a huge challenge that you have to completely step over from where you came from. Right. And there's nothing easy about being a charitable organization. No. I, I, my, my hat goes off to everybody that, you know, has a passion for their charity and has a charity because it's not easy. Right. So that's my challenge is to get an understanding of how these charities are able to get that message across of the importance of their mission. Mm, yeah. But I learn, I, we have a ton of people that help us out because they want to see this come to you know, fruition as well as, as I, you know, I do since starting it. And as far as a failure goes, the first thing I can think of that comes to mind 
is I never got to race. Hmm. I wanted to race, or maybe it was more of a passion, it, you know, but it's still on my bucket list. It's, <laughs> there it, you it, go. It's not, it's not gone, yeah. you know, but, but I promised myself that I would do that, that, mm-hmm. you know, one day I was going to be in a race car and I was going to race. And I haven't lived up to that yet. Well, so that's probably my current failure because I've been so involved with the foundation. And I think this is more important than me, you know, going down the racetrack. Sure. Well, I can't wait to see the day you strap into that car and uh, the Christmas, yeah, the another, Christmas tree goes green. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like a Rutgers are back in the, in the seat. You there know? you go. Yeah. Well, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. And, and I'd ask you to share a story with me when you had a real aha moment. And uh, perhaps it's with what you're doing right now. That time when you realize, you know what? I think this idea has some real merit and I'm going to make it happen. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success. That aha moment was definitely this foundation. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, the, the lights went off when, when I went back into the industry and noticed, you know, all of our pioneers as they're get, you know, aging or, you know, become getting health, having health concerns. And then, of course, you know, seeing them not get, not being able to be there to receive, uh, you know, such a prestigious award. Mm-hmm. That was my aha moment. I'm like, no, we have got to do something. And, and for people that know me personally, they know that when I get things stuck in my head, there's no stopping. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It, I don't know if it's genetic, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's pretty genetic, so they know. Oh boy, here she goes. We're in trouble. How about your proudest business or career moment? I'm sure you had many, but is there one in particular that stands out that you could share? My proudest moment actually was when I got the Performance Warehouse Association Person of the Year award. Oh, nice. That was my proudest moment because it wasn't expected. Mm-hmm. I was not one of them that was on the road like the sales reps or the you know the manufacturers. I was in the office and the manager of the customer service department and several other departments. So when I was in the finalists of the last three, I was up against Rick Rollins and Bob Cook. And they're both been, been in the industry quite a long time, mm-hmm. very successful in their in their vocations. So I'm going, how did I get in this category? And when they called my name, I, I, I could have fell out of the chair because I didn't even prepare a speech because <laughs> I said, there's no way I'm going to win. When I got up to that podium, I was sh- shaking, you know, oh, my God, like like on a tire machine. It was, oh, I was shaking so bad I couldn't even talk, but um, which is very rare for me. That was my most crowning achievement, and I was I was so nervous I forgot to thank my father, my uncle. Well, boy did I boy did I hear about that? <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> that's very cool. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first really special car? Not necessarily your first car, but that first car that really had a lot of meaning to you, and maybe you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Oh my gosh, my first my car that was my favorite was my 1985 Trans Am. Ooh, Smokey and the Bandit. Yes, my 85 Trans Am. It was burgundy, and it had gold trim and gold wheels. And then, of course, you know, black tinted windows and 
then of course Mr. Gasket, you know, they had to put all the so it actually turned into like a model car because they put the louvers on it, they put some other chrome part, you know, other parts on it and sure. you know, to dress it up. So but I had a personalized license plate that said X to Z. <laughs> and, and the TA meant Trans Am, but of course everybody thought it meant something else. <laughs> uh, and, and the memory that comes with that car, all the fun moments were, got pulled over quite a few times. There, there's no, no doubt there. I got pulled over, then it was winter time, and getting ready. I was going home and going through the city that where Mr. Gasket was, Brooklyn Heights, Mm -hmm. and I got pulled over, and I'm going, oh, no, (laughs) this is not good, so they pulled me over, asked me for my license, I gave them my license, and unfortunately, everybody in that whole city knows the last name, Rudka, Mm. so they gave me my speeding ticket and told me to get home, okay, so I did, but then I got into the office the next day, and my dad calls me in, and whenever dad calls you in, you know something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Dad calls me in, and he said, Tracy, is there anything you need to tell me? <laughs> I went, no. No, 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 I don't have anything going on. Are you sure? There's nothing that I need to know. No, no, we're all good here. Uh-oh. He goes, okay. He goes, I'm, you know, just checking. He goes, I'm just going to give you one last chance. Is there anything you think you should tell me? Nope, I'm good. I'm good. Yep, so um, at that point, uh, he holds up a piece of paper that just so happens to be a part, a, you know, one of the three pieces of the ticket Yeah. that the, that the chief of police gave him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's got connections. He got connections. So I would have rather paid the ticket done everything then have them give it to dad of course yeah i know okay (laughs) oh busted busted oh i got busted i got busted but uh, i learned my lesson yeah but that's okay how about seller's remorse is there a vehicle that you've had in your life that you really wish you could have back yes my c5 a corvette i wish i had my c5 back i had a red c5 i i got pregnant and couldn't fit in. Couldn't fit in. And uh, I was, well, I was able to fit in it, but I would get looks, of course. You know, while I was pregnant, I would get looks because they have the expectant mother mm-hmm. parking spots, and I would park there. <laughs> you, you know, so here you are parking in a red Corvette. Yeah. And, you know, you get these funny looks. But then I was trying to think of, started trying to think of a contraption that would put a car seat in. Uh, not the right car for, for a new mom, probably. No, no, no. So I see up. So I had to give the poor thing up. Yeah. Well, we all have those. That's for sure. Here's a funny question for you. Since we're talking about cars, if Tracy Ritka was a car, what kind of car would she be, and why? Oh, if I was a car. Yeah. Oh, how fun! There's so many different kind of cars I would I'd want to be. If I was a car, I would want to be a '57 Chevy. <laughs> and I kind of thought you'd say that. Yes, if I was going to be a car, I'd want to be a 57 Chevy. And why is that? Because that's the car that started it all. Mm. Yeah. That's the car, that was the embryo that started the business. Yeah. And yeah. also the car that our my father raced. Very cool. Very cool. Great choice. Great choice. 
All right, Tracy, we're up to what I call the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions, and you're going to give me some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? I'm ready. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Never leave your tank under a quarter of a tank of gas. <laughs> yes. And that's... if you're going to slide, if you're going to start to slide, throw your car in neutral. Ah, okay. Good advice, Dad. <laughs> yeah, and, he, and he's right. I still use it to this day. There you go. And he's not wrong. <laughs> well, so Dad. for all you people out there that are in the winter and you're driving in the snow and you get to hit a piece of ice, throw it in neutral. There you go. Dads are always right. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? I'm very black and white. I'm very straight up. I don't beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. I tell it like it is. I'm very down to earth and grounded. Do you have a resource that you could share with us that you're really fond of? Maybe it's a website that you go to often or a blog that you receive? I use my own on on Facebook, the Quarter Mile Foundation page. Mm -hmm. We post a lot of fun stuff on there. How about books, Tracy? Is there one in particular that you think our listeners would really enjoy? High Performance by Dr. Robert Post. Ah, okay. That one is by far, bar none, the best book anybody in the industry that hasn't read it should read it. Well, I'll remind our listeners... You can find all these resources at com slash Tracy Rudka. And Tracy's last name is spelled H-R-U-D-K-A. All right, Tracy, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and money's no object, I'll buy you whatever you want today, but you can't sell that car to buy a bunch of other cars with. So that little trick is off the table. What would that vehicle be and why? car that I would like to have is the 1957 Chevy that Boyd Connington built called Shazoom. Ah, ooh. That, that was my most favorite, favorite car that we had in our collection, and it was Boyd Connington's number two favorite car right after Cadzilla, and I would like to have that car back. Oh, yes. Fantastic choice. Wonderful. Well, Tracy, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories and spending some time with you today. I want to thank you for being here. Could you give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Boyd Coddington 57 Chevy? Never give up. Mm. <laughs> Perfect. Never give up. Never give up. I love there's it. Always a, there's always a rainbow. Yes, there is. Tenacity, perseverance, just never give up. Great advice, great advice. And again, listeners, you can find Tracy's show notes page at carsyad.com slash Tracy Rudka. You mentioned it earlier, but let's talk about it again. What's the best way for people to learn more about what you're doing and, and get involved? And that's something that we need desperately is, you know, speed costs money, how fast you want to go. If you would like to contribute and support or pledge to keep the production going so that we can get this documentary out sooner than later, you can go to our websites at project1320.com or quartermilefoundation.org. We have a merchandise store, and we also have a donate button with three different programs that you can be involved in, and it's all tax-deductible. That will keep the film cameras going. Awesome. Well, listeners, check out Tracy's website. Help this wonderful cause. Donate and help support what she's doing. I think it's fantastic. And 
I want to thank you again, Tracy, for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences and your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. And Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Have a happy holiday, and we'll see you in the new year. All right. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Take care now. You bet. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.